Greetings to all my tech heads out there in the Kev Techify Nation. And if you're new here, welcome. In this episode, we're going to look at network attack mitigations. We'll be discussing the defense in depth approach, keeping backups, upgrade, update, and patch. We'll look at AAA, which is authentication, authorization, and accounting. And then we'll take a look at firewalls and the types of firewalls. And then we'll end with endpoint security. This episode is part of my series on introduction to networks for the CCNA. I'm Kevin here at Kev Techify. Let's get this adventure started. As companies get attacked, as companies prepare and defend themselves against these attacks, you need to look at this as a holistic approach. And a lot of companies do what we call defense in depth approach, or it's a layered approach. And what this is, is we're going to have different layers and multiple layers of security of defense there. And most administrators understand all the defense in the world isn't going to stop an attacker. What best we can do is hope to slow that attacker down, maybe slow him down enough to deter him and frustrate him and make him just leave our system or slow them down enough that we get that we notice the attack and then we are able to do something in response to the attack to stop it now one of the things you need to do is you have to secure your devices that's the first thing you need. the routers the switches the servers the pcs you need to secure those you need to make sure you're running the firewall on your servers you need to make sure you have all the passwords set all the public accounts set up with non-easily guessed passwords. You need to look at your routers and switches. Make sure that unused ports are turned off. Make sure we have great passwords set up for all, all the different types of accesses. Make sure we have an access control list to allow only certain people to come in and manage our devices. In addition to that, we also have several security devices and services implemented on our networks to assess and hopefully stop TCPIP threats. One of the first ones here is a VPN. What the VPN does is encrypt traffic, not necessarily internally, but when we send traffic out across the network, or sorry, the internet, it encrypts that traffic. And that way, if, if a threat actor sniffs your traffic and sees your traffic, it's just going to look like a bunch of random numbers there, and they won't be able to tell what you're doing. Another device that we use is an ASA firewall. Adaptive security appliance, it's a firewall. It stops traffic from coming in and going out of your, out of your network. It stops unwanted traffic from coming in and going out. Another system we use is an IPS, intrusion prevention system. And what that does is it looks for patterns. And, and the patterns it's looking for are are not normal patterns. Your, your traffic, after a while, you'll, you'll be able to understand and see and look at your traffic and say, okay, this is normal. But then all of a sudden, you'll be able to spot something that's not normal. And that's what the IPS does, is identifies where all of a sudden there's a bunch of attacks coming, or sorry, a bunch of probes coming from a foreign country. That's not normal. And that IPS is gonna say, okay, we need to do something, we need to, send notifications to our administrators, and then we need to start blocking that. And that's what the intrusion prevention system does. 
Then we have AAA servers. AAA servers right here. A AAA server is for authentication, authorization, and accounting. It helps keep track of logins and who uses the resources on your network. Another thing that we do is we, we create what we call a DMZ, demilitarized zone. And what this is, is a segment of your network, typically off of the firewall. Like I said, this is the DMZ. And what we keep in here are devices that need to be accessed from the internet so somebody on the outside can come in and connect into our web server, place an order. That's what's in this zone, but it's not on the internal of our network to give somebody full access. So if a threat actor would compromise our web server, they would just have access to what's in the DMZ. They wouldn't have access to everything else inside of our company. So it's, it's sort of a separate network that we control. Keeping backups is probably one of the best ways, most effective ways to protect against losing data. And as we keep these backups, it'll allow us to restore data that's missing. And sometimes backups will even allow us to recover from a ransomware attack. Now, when we do backups, we have to keep in mind a couple things. We have to keep in mind frequency. How often are we doing backups? Now, what that means is, do we do a backup hourly? Do we do a backup daily? Do we do a backup weekly? company needs to sit down and think about if I was to lose data how much data could I lose and still not bring the company down to its knees how much would I could lose that maybe yeah you'll have to redo some work but at least the company is not going to be put in a bad situation for that then we have storage where are you going to store these backups are we going to store them on premise are we going to transfer them to a medium uh, tape a disc and then put that in in a bank somewhere are we going to store it at one of our sister locations somewhere are we going to use an online storage for our data some sort of cloud backup you have to figure that out and then the other thing with the storage of it you need to validate that those backups actually work you need to go through the process of restoring files First, so you understand the process, and second, to make sure that your backup is actually working. Because if you're trying to restore from a backup and you realize, hey, my backup's not working, that's not the good time that it should happen. Then you should have security. And what we're talking about here is backups should be, how, how are you gonna transport your backups? Who's going to transport it? If somebody's gonna physically, physically carry it to the bank and in, in, into your safety deposit box, do you trust them? Most of the time, you're going to have somebody you trust, then maybe it's even you going to the bank and doing it. Then we also need to see, is that a secure location? Well, are, are you going to entrust your chief financial officer to keep the backups? I once worked for a chief financial officer, and she took the tapes, and she stored it in a safe location. One day I needed it, and I asked her for the backup tape. And her response was she got up, walked out to her car, opened up her glove compartment and grabbed the tape out. And so you, you need to make sure that it's being stored securely someplace. And the last one is validation. And what we mean by validation here is you should have some sort of password on that backup and validate the user that is using the backup and trying to restore from that. Another great thing to help you 
mitigate your network attacks is to make sure you upgrade, update, and patch your systems. And Cisco operating systems, they occasionally come out with a patch, but when they come out with a patch, you need to put it out there because Cisco doesn't come out with patches very often, but when they do, that's because there's a vulnerability, there's a problem, and you need to do this. Windows, they come out with patches all the time. And what Microsoft has come up with a pattern here. Every second Tuesday of the month, they roll out their patches. Typically, people refer to this as Patch Tuesday, where all the patches come out, and then you can go ahead, download them, and install them. If I'm working on a production system, I'm going to wait probably three to four days to make sure there's nothing wrong with those patches because Microsoft sometimes rolls out a patch and then it causes your system to break. Cisco, or sorry, Microsoft has done that a couple times in the past. And so I just wait a couple days to do that. And typically Microsoft releases that patch on Patch Tuesday, the second Tuesday of the month. And then I have a time where I schedule to put my patches in. Maybe it's Thursday morning, early Thursday morning. Maybe it's late Friday night. So that way if something bad happens late Friday night, I come in on the weekend and I can fix my system. And Monday morning when everybody else comes in, the system's up and going. And so I usually patch about something like that. Microsoft has Patch Tuesday, but if they have to roll out some other patches, a lot of times they use the fourth Tuesday of the month, two weeks later than Patch Tuesday. Or if it's a very important update, if it's a if it's a big security issue, they will roll it out for instant deployment. And very often, or sorry, very seldom do they do that anymore. That type of stuff. But always make sure you update your system. They went through the process of making this update, making this upgrade, because there was problems with the system. There was vulnerabilities there, and there was attacks against those vulnerabilities. And so make sure you upgrade, update, and patch your systems. Here we have what we typically refer to as AAA, authentication, authorization, and accounting. And what this is, is it's a framework to set up access control to your devices, to your services on your network. And it's typically a three-part process. You keep these logs, you keep this information, so that way you can go back and look at it and, and see what's happening on my system and maybe figure out why was there a compromise. Maybe figure out where was the problem and we can go back and fix it. Now, the first part of the system is authentication. Are you actually you? Typically, in an IT environment, this is done with a username and password. Maybe you have some sort of biometric scanner you need to go, a thumb scanner or something like that. Maybe you have one of those key fobs with a pseudo random generated number on that you need to enter, two-factor authentication, something like that. But authenticate who you are. And then based upon that authentication, it will give you authorization. What resources can you use? Do you have access to the folder or not? Do you have access to the HR server? Do you have access to the accounting server? And then once you once your authorization has been determined, let's keep track of it. And let's keep a record of that saying, hey, Kevin had Kevin was accessing the accounting server on this day at this time for this period, this 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 amount of time. And 
keeping these records will allow you to look back and see why did my system get attacked then? What was the problem? What was there a pattern we can notice? Was was it maybe somebody that had one of their accounts compromised or something like that? But this AAA is is a big deal, and most systems they do some sort of this AAA. I hope you're liking this episode on network attack mitigations. If you had the time, please leave a comment and let me know what you think about network attack mitigations. You can also visit my website at kevtechify.com for all of my details and how to get these episodes in video and podcast form. Firewalls are probably one of the biggest things to help you mitigate network attacks. Now, what a firewall does is connect up one or more networks together. And what these and what this what happens here is it sits between two networks and it sits between maybe your company network and the internet and what happens here is this firewall controls the flow of traffic and in this first graphic here we have an inside computer we have the internet and we have our firewall in between and the inside computer makes a request for data and so that that request goes through the firewall out into the internet when it goes through the firewall, the firewall knows that it was a request and that we should expect a response. And so it'll note that and it'll wait for that response to come in because it's waiting for it, because it knows it's coming back in, it will allow that response to come back in. And so this is sort of like opening up a web page on your client inside the computer, typing in the web address, you make a HTTP request to the web server on the internet someplace, and then that firewall knows, well, you made an HTTP request to this certain web server. We're going to wait for a HTTP reply back from that web server and we're going to let it through. The other thing firewalls do is it stops unwanted traffic from coming in. In this second example here, the inside computer didn't make any request. It's just sitting there idle. You're working on your Word document, nothing's going out to the internet. All of a sudden, the internet wants to send that computer on the inside a piece of information. Because the firewall is not expecting that piece of information to come in, that firewall blocks it. It deletes it, it stops it, it doesn't allow it to, to enter the network. It, it stops unwanted traffic from coming into our network. The other thing lately that firewalls had to do is it stops unwanted traffic from coming into the network. It also stops unwanted traffic from leaving your network. And so let's say the inside computer gets a, gets attacked and gets a virus. And that virus starts replicating itself. And the firewall will see that, hey, this is a virus. It's, it's trying to get out to the out to the internet, it's going to stop it. It's not going to let it go. Because you as a network administrator, you're also responsible for the data and viruses, any malware that is from your network that infects other networks. And so firewalls stop unwanted traffic from coming in and going out of the network. Plus, you could also set up your firewall to say, not let any Word documents out of your company you could stop all word documents now why would you want to do that maybe you have a disgruntled employee who you let go and one of the last things he's going to do is copy the list of all of your um 
suppliers or all your customers with their data. So that way when he leaves, he has that information with him. He copies that, puts it in a Word document, emails it to one of his personal email accounts. Your firewall could stop that from coming in. Or sorry, leaving the network. Firewalls also allow us to set up what we call a DMZ. That is another network that houses computers, in particular servers that need to be accessed from the internet. So somebody from the internet needs to get access to it. And somebody from the inside of your network needs to get access to it. Now this could be a web server running your e-commerce site or something like that. People from the outside need to place orders. People from the inside need to see what orders are placed so they can ship it out. Now, you put your web server in this DMZ. That way, if it does get compromised, they can't use it to attack the rest of your network. It's contained. Plus, in the DMZ, you can set up special security to pay attention to different things that would notify you if that system got compromised. When we talk about firewalls, we need to think about them in terms of software and hardware. They can be hardware or they can be software. Now, what we mean by software is you have an operating system. You have a Windows Server operating system. You can put a firewall on there and it can run. A hardware is a standalone unit. It's self-contained. You don't have to install an operating system on it. You don't have to do any of that configuration. Basically, it's plug and play. You take it out from the box, connect it into your network. You do some or preliminary configurations, you're up and you're going. You don't have to have a full operating system on Yes, technically, the hardware firewall does have an operating system on it, but you don't have to manage it. You don't have to deal with that. There are four primary techniques that firewalls use to protect your network. Packet filtering, application filtering, URL filtering, and finally stateful packet inspection. Packet filtering prevents or allows access based upon IP or MAC addresses. You could use a network address, you could use an IP address, or you can use MAC addresses. Based upon where it's going or where it's coming from, you would allow that packet to go or you would block it. Application filtering is done based on specific applications by port number. Now, what we mean by this, your layer four logical port number, we can filter based upon that. Let's say we wanna stop all SSH traffic from coming into our network. What we do is basically block all layer four port 22 traffic from coming into our networking. That would stop all basic SSH communication from coming into our network. URL filtering is the third technique we can use. What this is, is you're going to block or deny access. You're gonna block or allow access to a, a URL, like a website, or you can block it based on keywords. You can set up a filter that says, anything going to Gmail, we're just gonna block it because we our company policy says, no access to private email. So we're going to block all Gmail. And finally, we have stateful packet inspection. This is the most complicated technique out of these four. And what this is, is it can look at incoming packets and it has to be a legitimate response to a, to a request from internal host. And so this is what we're talking about. The internal 
host need to make a request and the and the response is what we're going to let in. If it's not in response to a legitimate request, we're going to block it. And so this is a great tool to work at stopping denial of service attacks. Endpoint security looks at a network client. And what we're talking about is a computer system or a device on our network. That is the network client. It could be a laptop, desktop, server, smartphone, tablets, printers, scanners, IP cameras, voice over IP phones, anything connected to your network. And you have to secure those. And the biggest part of securing those is the human. A lot of times people talk about the eighth layer in the OSI model. That's being the human. It's having the human make sure that security is being used properly, make sure it's being set up, make sure it's being followed. What this typically has to happen is you need to make sure you have your processes well documented. Now, well documented includes in terms that the average employee will understand. We're IT people, we understand the technical terms. Now you need to make sure that the average non-IT person understands these documented policies. We need to make sure that employees are aware of these rules. And a lot of times this involves training. When a new hire gets hired, they have to go through some training and probably have to spend 10, 15 minutes being, being told and discussed what the network policies are at a certain company. Then, as policies change throughout the year or whatever, all the employees need to be aware of that. And so maybe that involves video training with an electronic quiz at the end to verify that they actually watched the video and they understood what was happening. Maybe this happens at the quarterly employee meeting where you get up and you talk to your employees about that, about the new policies that are happening. We also need to train our employees not only talking with them and discussing them, but a lot of times training happens. And we always say that you shouldn't give out your username and password over email or over the phone, right? And let's go through some training. Let's spot check our employees and see if they actually give you that information. We need to make sure that these policies include antivirus software and host intrusion prevention. We need to make sure that it says antivirus software will be updated, will be continuously ran, never shut, up, shut off. Because a lot of times employees don't do the updates for antivirus. A lot of times employees turn off antivirus because it slows their computer down. And so their system becomes unprotected at that point in time. And finally, good endpoint security involves network access control who can access the network and what parts of the network. You have to go through and make sure you have that set up. You have the permissions set up for that to protect your network, to segment that network off, to make sure not everybody sees all the HR information that has all the personal information, the insurance information in it. You have to go through and set that network access control up. It was my pleasure to provide you with this wonderful episode on network attack mitigations. If you like this episode and you got value out of it, please click the like button, give a five-star rating, leave a comment. This all helps me bring you more great content. 
all my socials and contact information are on my website, kevtechify.com. There you can find out how to get all these episodes in video and podcast form. In the upper right is my playlist for my series on introduction to networks for the CCNA. In the bottom right is one of my favorite videos that I linked just for you. Thank you so much for watching this episode of my series on introduction to networks for the CCNA. Once again, I'm Kevin. This is Kev Techify. I'll see you next time for another great adventure.